You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. Well, great. I have uh, the opportunity to speak this morning about something that I love. I, I love missions. I love uh, the opportunities that we have to be able to share the gospel, to be able to go into other cultures and engage people. And so before I, before I even start, I want to throw up, here are some dates that we as a church body should know. These are things that we want everyone at the church to know. We have some open mission trips coming up in May, May 21st. That's like right around the corner. May 21st, we're going to have a trip to Costa Rica. If you have never been on a mission trip, or if maybe you've been on one or two and you're a little nervous about it, this is a great introductory mission trip. This is going to be one uh, that, that I, I promise uh, it, you, will, you will not be too shocked. But we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about that today. You will have an introduction to missions training course. So we're actually going to do a course before these mission trips for everyone to be able to come and participate and learn how to really engage in missions, how to get the most out of that trip, how to really um, just see what God is doing and stuff like that. So these dates, introductions to missions training is going to start April 3rd because we want to be able to get it in before the trip in May. Okay. We have the May trip. We have a high school Guatemala trip that's coming up in July. If you're a parent of a high schooler and you're wondering whether or not you want to send your high schooler on a mission trip, just hold on because that's going to be it. It's going to be the, the, the message. You're going to want to sign your kid up. You're going to want to go to the message or the, the meeting after church today. We're going to have a trip to Costa Rica again in October and another one in November to Cuba. Okay, so we want to start putting these dates out in front of the church. And we want one of the things that we're excited about for 2016 is seeing more people in the church engaged in missions, more people in the church engaged in local missions, whether it's going to street corner on Saturday or if it's foreign missions going overseas and engaging there. And so a lot of people, a lot of volunteers in the church, including myself, have been putting together these dates and trying to really get a good system down for how we can do it. And so the Corrells have been instrumental in that. The Paskowitz, where are the Paskowitz? Joe and Kathy Paskowitz back there, they are leading the charge on the Costa Rica trip. So if you're interested in that, make sure you find them and sign up. We also have on the website, if you go to rccjacks.com slash missions, you can sign up for the, for the training and for the course. And you're like, I don't know if I'm going to sign up for that. Well, that's what we're going to talk about. That's what the message is about today is missions. And so let me share with you my first missions experience, okay? So I had an opportunity to be able to go on a mission trip one time with the International Bible Society. And um, they wanted to hook up to this thing called the internet. And so I, I went uh, to India to, to one of their offices to help them hook up to the internet so they could receive electronic mail. And um, while I was there, we had the opportunity to do ministry. And so I was, I was really looking forward to it. And Kit and I were new, newly married. And so we had the opportunity to be able to go and do it together. It was really cool. Um, but I was in for some shocks, like some definite definite things that were different. And so uh, I'm going to have to, I'm, I'm only going to share one. I'm only going to share one of the experiences. And I promise I am sharing this not just for humor, and I am not sharing this to be vulgar, okay? But this was something I did not know and that affected me greatly. So when we get there, we were staying at a hotel. It was a Sheridan. So it was a, real, it was a nice hotel, you know, it was an Americanized hotel. And everyone spoke really good English, you know, so you would never, it wasn't like it didn't feel like you didn't have a translator. You didn't need a translator. They spoke English. So we're in the hotel and you have like a little, 
like in the bathroom, we had a little half, it was like a half a roll of toilet paper. And, and that was it. And we're like, we're going to be here for a week. So I call down. I'm like, uh, yeah, this is Tom Rossi in room, whatever. And uh, going to need some more toilet paper. And they're like, excuse me? Again, they speak perfect English. So it, it's disconcerting, right? Because you're like, toilet paper. I'm sorry? Toilet paper. In the bathroom, the little paper next to the toilet, toilet paper, needs some toilet. Oh, oh, okay, we'll send some up. A little while later, guy comes up, hands me another half roll of toilet paper. I'm like, this is weird. I go to the International Bible Society, the office that we're working at, and um, I have to use the facilities, and no toilet paper at all, but a bucket and a, and a uh, sink. Don't think anything about that right? Um, but I ask for some toilet paper. So I come out and I say, hey, uh, I ask one of the, the people that are there, can, can I get some toilet paper? There's, they're out of toilet paper in the bathroom. Excuse me? Uh, toilet paper. paper. Paper in the bathroom. I need, I need the, toilet, the toilet paper. You know, like I'm trying not to do a gesture or anything. Like I just, it's toilet paper. <laughs> and uh, it's super embarrassing at this point, right? Because he's like, I'm sorry, I, I don't know what that is. And, uh, and I'm like, well, uh, I don't know how to explain it. And so he goes to the guy who runs the office and uh, who has been to the U.S. He's Indian, but he's been to the U.S. And so he's, uh, he's asking for something. And I'm like, I'm to- toilet paper. And the guy's like, oh, oh, okay. And so then he goes and he gets the toilet paper. So, okay. I, I don't, this is nothing spiritual at this point. There is no revelation in this. This is just a weird thing that I'm experiencing in India. Well, then Kit and I were doing some ministry out in the streets and we're, it, 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 it's like nothing I've ever experienced before in terms of the poverty. And it was nothing compared to like what, what Kristen and Jonathan and Antley, when they did their trip and where Kristen lived, we were in Hyderabad, India, which was, was not nearly as bad, not nearly as impoverished as some other areas in India. But the children on the streets, I mean, they just, they have nothing. The people, they had nothing. And I have this revelation as I'm out there that the last thing they care about is toilet paper. They don't have any food. They have nothing. They have no, they have no food. We're talking about a culture that is so impoverished. I'm going to buy paper to, to wipe and throw away? That's the least... That's, that's the furthest thing from their mind. And I have this revelation that, oh my gosh, I am so isolated. Like I, I have no, I, I have no, it, it throws me for a loop, okay? Have you ever had a paradigm shift? Like that's like a paradigm shift, like where your paradigm, the way that you think about life, the, the view that you have, the, the, the things that you think are important, when all of a sudden something happens and it, and it jars that, you have this paradigm shift. And I had this paradigm shift moment, right? Has anybody ever heard the term, let, let them eat cake? I felt like it was, it was this, all, all in the streets of India, I had this revelation. Marie Antoinette was this French queen, right? And there's a legend about her. Uh, she, was, she was a lavish queen. She loved to spend money, loved to have beautiful things. Meanwhile, the people are super, super poor. And so they had this relationship with her. Like they felt like they didn't like her because she was so lavish. And so eventually they revolt, Right. As French people, French people, it seems like there's a lot of revolts. But so they, re, they revolt against this queen and she says, why are they revolting? And somebody says, well, they don't, they don't have any bread. And she says, well, let them eat cake. 
Like, what's the problem? And that's what happens to me out on the streets in India. I feel like, I, feel like I'm, I just said, let them eat cake. I feel like every phone call that I made asking for toilet paper, I feel like in the, in the International Bible Society office asking them for, I felt like it was a let them eat cake moment that I was so disconnected from them as a people, them as a culture, them as, as, as an ethnic group. I felt, I felt like, I felt, I, it was a rapid paradigm shift. I, I felt like it made me question everything I ever thought about the poor. It made me question what I was doing in missions and, and what, what was involved here. And so this morning, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will lead us in how we abide by the Great Commission. How do we engage in missions? How do we reach people that are so different than us? So let me pray for that. Holy Spirit, we pray that we would know you this morning that you would, as you have promised to us, lead us into truth, that you would lead us into truth, that you would bring truth out of the message of your scriptures and lead us to a place that you would come against all fear, that you would come against all anything that we believe to be true that is not from you. We come in Jesus' name, amen. So the disciples, they've just seen the risen Christ. This is the Great Commission. They've just seen the risen Christ. And you know what they do? They worship him. They, and for Jews, it's a big deal, right? Because who do you worship? God alone. That's it. When they see Jesus resurrected, they worship him. Everything that you said is true. Everything that you taught us is true. They worshiped him. That's what it says in Matthew 28. And then picking up in 18, then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations or disciple all nations, all ethnic groups, right? All cultures. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey or to observe everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. All of us who worship Jesus, this is his response to us. You know it to be true. I've shown you through the resurrection. It's true, everything that I taught you. Everything. When I told you, blessed are the poor, blessed are the people that, 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 are, that are seeking God because they will be filled, they will find him. All, everything that I taught you, everything is true. And when you worship him, he says, go, tell everyone. All of us, tell everyone. All of us, not just missionaries, not just professional Christians. All of us, all of us who would worship him, all of us who have experienced his words and we've seen them to be true, all of us, that we would go and that we would tell all nations. Again, the word, it's not really nations like countries, it's, it's like peoples, people groups, cultures, people who have a certain way of thinking about things, people who have a framework, people groups, all people groups, all cultures, thinking about people that are grouped by what, what they think or their experiences that have shaped them, what they value, all people groups, local, here in Jacksonville, foreign, all over the world, all people. Jesus is saying, I want my kingdom to have that much diversity, that you would reach all people. Again, 
It's a bunch of Jews, right? They're Jewish guys. So when he's telling them this, think about that. He's saying all people, all people group. They've been brought up within the truth that the Jewish, were the, they were the chosen people. They were the, of all the people groups in the world, God chose the Jews. He said, I will work through you. You will be the one, I, I will eventually bless all the nations, all people groups, right? They, they, they didn't remember that as much, right? They enjoyed being the chosen group much more than thinking about one day that they would be a blessing to all nations. But that's the way they've grown up. That's the way they've always looked down at other people groups, right? They're not the chosen ones. We're the chosen ones. And Jesus says, you worship me. You believe that it's true. You've seen it in the resurrection. Now go. You are going to bring the blessing to all nations, all people groups, those that you have looked down upon, those who you've never engaged with before, it doesn't matter. I want them all to be a part of my kingdom. That's, that's compelling. That, that, that's a huge, a huge thing for them to hear. In our lives, think about neighboring cultures, na- neighboring people groups, Right? It's easy when we think about India and how drastic that is, right? That's a huge difference, right? But what about even within our own little Jacksonville community? Think about if you were to group people based on the things that they value, the life experiences that they've had. Think about the difference between San Marco and Riverside. There's differences there, right? Different people groups. What about the difference between Riverside and the north side. Difference is a little bit bigger, right? Some of them are economical. Some of the differences are economical, but not all of them. Think about the difference between a beach person and a townie. (laughs) You see what I'm getting at? The great commission is that we would go into all peoples, that we would cross all boundaries, that there would be no cultural line that we're not willing to go through to reach people that are different than us. Do you see that? This command is for all of us to go to all of them, that we would get outside of our little bubbles, our little cultural groups, people that have had the same life experiences that we have, people that have think the way that we think, people that value the things that we value. He calls us to get outside of that. Why? To bring them all into the kingdom because his message is for all of them. The bigger the cultural difference, the bigger the shock, right? So if you want to go do ministry with hipsters in Riverside, for me, like that, that'd be a little bit different for me, right? I've, we, Kit and I, have, we've realized that we've hit the age now where we don't know the bands on Saturday Night Live, you know? Like, okay, we're that, we're that, those people. People listen to this? Like, we fast forward through. Okay, so, so if you think about reaching across those boundaries, that's not that big of a deal, Right? I can do that. I can do that. I can understand them. I can get the bigger the, di- the difference, the bigger the shock. Street corner. How many people here have ever done street corner with River City? How many people have ever raised your hand? I want to see how many of us have done it. Great. So when you go and you do street corner, you are dealing with people in an entirely different group, very different than Riverside, than San Marco, than the North Side, than the beach. And there's a much better chance of experiencing that kind of shock that we're talking about. But it doesn't matter. We're called to engage all of those cultures to bring the good news of love, the love of God. 
and making it understandable in every people group. And they all think differently. So you can't just go in there and explain it the way you would explain it in your people group, right? We are all, we are all missionaries. We're all missionaries. We are all called to cross cultural boundaries and un- make the gospel, make the truths of what Jesus has taught us palatable, understandable, penetrating, so that people can be set free and they can experience what God has. We all are called into that and to go into all people. In that process, when we go into these cultures, we are making disciples. We are aligning people. Their hearts, we're aligning their hearts with the heart of Jesus. That's what it means to make a disciple, right? That we are, we are aligning their hearts to be aligned with Jesus. We don't go into cultures to conquer them. We don't go there to badger them, to vanquish them, to eradicate them. We go there to save them. We go there to bless them, to respect them, to love them, to befriend them, to embrace them, to redeem them, to find the value that they may not even see for themselves in their cultures and to bring the gospel to bear in that. This is God's plan that we get to play a part of. This is God's redemptive plan for the world and we get to play a part in that. This is exciting. This is an exciting opportunity. Living out the Great Commission will require us to engage in foreign cultures. Hear that? Living out the Great Commission will require us to cross those boundaries, to engage foreign cultures. Foreign cultures being cultures that are significantly different than our own. Cultures that are different the way that they think, the way that they value things, different than our own. Okay, so we want to take a look at Paul. Paul, right, probably the greatest missionary ever, except for Jesus, Paul, this great missionary, we're going to take a look at him and one of his experiences. So Paul, talk about a paradigm shift. Paul goes from being a a, a Jewish Pharisee, a teacher of the law, a Jewish person that that is esteemed by all Jewish people, right? He goes from believing that it's, man, look at me. I am, I am Pharisee. I am teacher of the law. I am awesome. God loves me right? I am chosen by him. The more good I do, the more he loves me. My relationship with him, dependent on those things of me observing the law. He's breathing. He finds out about the, 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 the Christian people, right? The way, the Jesus followers, and he starts breathing murderous threats. I'm going to get him. He helps to execute Christians And the whole time he's observing the law, the whole time he thinks, God, look at me, I'm doing your work. Look at me, how awesome I am. am, I'm taking care of this cult. And he goes after them and he sees himself as earning more and more of God's favor, being a member of God's chosen. And then he meets Jesus in a radical way. He meets Jesus in a radical way and he experiences this paradigm shift where all of a sudden up is down, right? The very people that he's persecuting, they are the ones that, that have the words of Christ. They, they are the ones, they are Jesus that he's persecuting. He has this massive paradigm shift that he comes to know that Jesus is Lord, that, that he, God is love, that God is grace, that it's not, it no longer matters the things that he does. That's not how our relationship with God, that's not how God sees us. That's not the, dependent, the dependency on our thing, the things that we do. It no longer exists. It depends on what Jesus has done. Paul has a radical experience. 
And he experiences this paradigm shift and it changes his life forever. So much so that he becomes a missionary. He says, you know what? This is so true. It's for everyone. And so Paul goes and he starts preaching like crazy everywhere he can go. Anyone he can talk to, he starts preaching the gospel. And that's where we're picking up. So he's been on a roll. He goes into places and this is what he does. What he would do is he goes in. <laughs> what he do, he goes in. <laughs> so he goes in and he's in, he preaches and he goes first to the Jews, right? Because he knows them. He knows their culture. He knows their, he knows what they value. He knows the scriptures. He knows that it points to the Messiah. So he would always go in and he would start with the people that he knew best. But then you know what he would do? He'd go to everybody else. Anybody else that would listen, he would go and he would talk to them about this gospel. And so some people, they responded. Some people wanted to kill him. And so he would go from town to town because that could, that could get old, them trying to kill him. So he ends up in Athens. And this is where we're picking up in Acts 17. And we're going to read this, this whole story of uh, Paul at Mars Hill. So while Paul was waiting for them, the guys that he's traveling with, that he's sharing the gospel with, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Okay, we're talking about Athens, Greek gods, Zeus, all those guys, right? Like, it's real. It's real. At this time, that's when they're worship, worshiping them, right? And so he sees that the city's full of idols, so he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks. So again, he starts off in the synagogue with the people that he knows best, as well as in the marketplace, day by day with those who happen to be there. Anyone who will listen to him. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. So these are Greek philosophers. They, are not, they do not subscribe to Judaism. They do not believe in one God. They don't believe anything. They have no... no preconceptions of the Bible, of the Old Testament, of the Torah, of what Jesus, of what uh, Paul would use when he preaches to the Jewish people. And they begin to debate with him. And some of them ask, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating for foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and they brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, Mars Hill, where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and foreigners who live there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you were very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you're ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. So Paul stands up in front of all these people who are totally different than him, right? The only thing maybe they, they share in common is love of debate and thinking and talking about ideas, right? But they don't subscribe to, they don't know anything about Adam and Eve and the garden and the, the, the Noah and the flood. They don't know any of that stuff. And he goes and he, and he preaches to them. And what does he do? He shows them, I, I want to understand you. If we're going to engage in foreign cultures, we have to seek to understand them. We can't be like <laughs> me, not understanding. Let them eat cake. That can't be us. He walks their streets, right? We, we pick up on that. He's walked to their streets. He's looked at the things that they worship, the things that they value. He's trying to understand what makes them tick, what makes them happy, what makes them sad. All people are image bearers and worthy of us understanding. People that are very different than us, understanding them. 
Again, think of your neighboring cultures. Think of the people that you would say, man, these people are different than me. And instead of just judging them and saying, oh, well, they're, they're crazy about this or whatever, you know, I don't, if I say anything, it's going to offend someone. So I'm not going to say anything. Think of a neighboring culture, okay, that you would think that way. And then challenge yourself. Have you sought to understand them? There's no way I can make a political joke without everyone going off the rails. So I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I've, I've wanted to, but I can't. Okay. So think of people that are different than you and have you tried to understand them? Ah, you can't understand those people. You can understand those people, right? I love, I love, I love talking with atheists, right? That's my background. And so I love talking with atheists. And what drives me crazy is when Christians are like, ah, well, you know, they're just, they're just uh, whatever. And I'm like, they're not dumb people. They're not dumb people. Atheists are not dumb. They know a lot. Some of them know more about Christianity than Christians do. If you don't seek to understand them, how will you ever help them understand the gospel? How will you ever bring the gospel to bear if you don't seek to understand them? Okay, all of that. We see in Paul, what does he do? He, he understands them. He walks around the streets. He gets to know them. He lives out the Great Commission. How does he do it? He engages foreign, foreign cultures by seeking to understand them. Okay, so picking up in 24. So he says, guys, you worship, you, you yourself say you're ignorant of this God that you worship. And so I'm going to preach who he is. I'm going to tell you. And this is where we pick up verse 24. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. And he does not live in temples built by human hands. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. For in him, we live and move and have our being. And some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, to change, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. So we get a glimpse, right, of the message that he preaches and he is challenging them. Do you see that? He's understood them. I've, 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 I've walked your streets. I know how you think. And now he is challenging them. We should seek to challenge foreign cultures. And I know, I know what you're thinking. The temptation to do, to challenge foreign cultures in, in ways that uh, are inappropriate, Right? Historically, the church hasn't done a great job, right? We've, we've, we've definitely made some missteps in the way that we would cha challenge foreign cultures. Think about, you know, going in and clothing Indians because we felt like they were dressed inappropriately. Like, this is not the type of challenging that we should be looking for. That's not what Paul is doing. We should challenge foreign cultures, not in politics, not, not even in issues of immorality. We should challenge those things that set themselves against the gospel, that set themselves against the truths of the gospel, that God is real. That's the first thing. God is real. I will challenge that all day long if you don't believe God is real, that he loves you and that he loves everyone. We should challenge foreign cultures in that. 
if they don't believe that God loves everyone, that we all have access to him, that no one is disqualified, that there is nothing you could ever do to disqualify yourself from the love of God. Those are truths that I will, I will challenge, that he will challenge. All of those are worth it. Paul, at one point, he says, I've become all things to all men. Man, I will do anything. To the Jews, I'll become a Jew. To the Gentile, I'll be a Gentile. You want me to eat something? I'll eat something. You want me to not eat something? I'm going to eat something. I'll do whatever it takes because that doesn't matter. What matters is, do you know that there is a God who loves you, who has sought you out and has made himself known in the person of Jesus who lived, died, and rose again? That's what's important to me. Meanwhile, Meanwhile, the other Christians are like, whoa, we got some, we got some new believers. Oh, we're going to have to circumcise them. What? Wait, you told me about Jesus. I was, I was interested in the Jesus thing, but wait, what was that? What did you just say? Uh, well, now, now you've you got to get circumcised. Well, what does that mean? What? Like, seriously, that's what, that's what Paul is up against. And Paul's like, guys, seriously? Seriously, that's what we're going to argue about is circumcision? These people need to know that God loves them. We don't need to bring them under the law. We don't need to teach them everything else from, from the Old Testament. What we need to do is teach them about Jesus. We need to bring them into the knowledge of the gospel. Those are things that are worth challenging in foreign cultures. Engaging in foreign cultures will require us to seek to challenge them, but we will also be challenged by them. And we should seek that out. We should seek to be challenged by them. When I had that, that pivotal moment in India, I was challenged in my underlying beliefs. I was challenged in things that I thought were true, things that I thought were important. Engaging foreign culture should challenge us. Paul, he quotes pagan poets. Think about that for a second. When Paul was preaching to them, he's quoting pagan poets, which means that he read pagan poets. Do you think that that challenged him? Do you think that's challenged? How many of you were offended that last week, I think, was it last week, Antley quoted Puff Daddy, P Daddy, Puffy Combs. See, I don't know anything, right? I just knew it was somebody that's like a rapper, okay? So, and people were like, whoa, wait a minute, are you supposed to use that in a sermon? Paul is quoting pagans. And you know what he's doing? He's not just quoting them, he's saying, what you're saying is true. He's saying, what you're saying is true because you know what? All truth is God's truth. It doesn't matter if it was said by a pagan poet or if it was said by Paul himself. All truth is God's truth. And so what does he do? He, he, he reads it. He challenges himself, right? By reading through this material so that he can find those things that are true, that he can mine those. He credits those truths and then he explains how maybe they've been misapplied. This will challenge us to think more. We have an American culture. We have a Jacksonville culture. We have subculture we even have a church subculture. We should be challenged by other cultures. We should be challenged by them. What do you believe because of the people you're surrounded by? What do you believe because of the people that you're surrounded by? Think about that for a second. You don't even know, do you? How could you? How will you ever be challenged in something that you believe because everyone around you believes it? Does that make sense? This is a huge thing because what happens is they, we let these into our lives and we let them into our hearts. And that we have truths that we believe that will never be challenged until you start crossing those boundaries, right? Until you start engaging with people that think differently than you. That's, that's, 
that's this idea of this paradigm shift of why I, I, love, I love the opportunity to experience that because it challenges those things that may not be true. And I don't want that in my life. I don't want my life to be built around truths that aren't true, that I've just accepted that somehow when you look at uh, the things that keep us up at night, when you look at the things that we're afraid of, when you look at the things that, that consume us, so many of those things are driven by cultural things. They're not driven by the truth of the scriptures. Missions, crossing cultural boundaries, reaching people that are so different than us, understanding them, challenges all those beliefs. Oh, man. It's like four sermons, I'm sorry. All right, so engaging foreign cultures. We need to be open and prepared to be challenged. We should be seeking to be challenged. Let's pick up on verse 32. So he preaches this message, and then we we go to verse 32. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. And at that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysus, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. Some of them responded. Some of them responded. They heard the message of Paul, and they responded they became believers. The life, their trajectories of their lives was changed as a result of that. And some of them didn't. Would you say Paul's a failure? Would you say Paul's a failure that he should have spent more time with the, the Jewish people? He would have been more effective. Would you say he's a failure? He was obedient. He was obedient. River City, we need to hear that sometimes it's just being obedient. And there is freedom in that. There is freedom in just doing what we know that Jesus wants us to do. Paul is obedient. No, he's not a failure. The results are God's. They're not ours. We, what's incumbent upon us? That we go, that we go, that we cross these boundaries, that we engage in foreign cultures. We need to be there. We need to be with them. Well, I don't have anything to offer. We hear that. I don't have any, I, don't have any what, what, I can't teach, I can't preach, I can't do that, those things. But we can be obedient. We can go. We can just be there. When we say those things, it's not humility. That's not humility to say, I don't have anything to offer. That's, I don't think God's powerful enough. I don't think God could possibly use me. And God's like, seriously? I've used a donkey, right? Like, I can do it. I can make this work. When you say... God can't use me. That's not humility. We all are called. We are all commissioned to go. Ultimately, in this process, we show them Jesus. All right, I'm going sh- to share one story, and then, that's, this, then we'll close, okay? So I was in Africa one time with Jen and Dave. Where's Jen and Dave? I was with, with uh, their ministry in uh, South Africa, and uh, somehow I was with a group of high schoolers. And so I was taking these high schoolers. We were going from house to house and uh, talking to people. And we go into this one house, and there's like four 20-something-year-old guys, and they have been smoking weed. It's like you can smell it. I don't know where they got Did they grow it? Like it was in Intabazwe. I don't know where they got it. But then you can smell it, and they're obviously a little under the influence. And so I'm with these high schoolers and I'm like, I don't know what, they, what they're picking up on and what's going to happen and how this is going to shake out and what am I going to do? And so anyways, we have this conversation with them and it doesn't really, spiritually doesn't really go anywhere and they're kind of like laughing, you know, like, like at the whole thing. But this one guy at the end, I'll never forget, 
He's like, why are you here? You're American. Funny thing, in South Africa, they think like if you're American, then you're a celebrity. So like I would have kids like, do you know Will Smith? Like, so, so he's like, why? I don't understand. Why are you here? Why are you here? Why would you, why would you be in a hut in Intabazwe surrounded by nothing? Why are you here? And I don't remember if it was me or if it was one of the high schoolers or somebody. And we just said, because God told us to come. He cares enough about everyone. He wants us to go and he wants everyone to know. And you could just see his mind cranking like, why are they here? Just by going, just by crossing those boundaries, we were demonstrating the gospel. We were demonstrating the great distance that God himself went when, when Jesus chose not to, to take his equality with God and to hold on to it, right? He didn't, it wasn't something to be grasped, but instead he made himself like a servant. That's what they experience just by going. So sometimes engaging foreign cultures is just trying to be like Jesus. Man, I don't know. All I know is God sent me and here I am. You have no idea the impact that that can have. Okay, so this week, consider what boundaries is God calling you to cross? What cultural boundaries? Who are your neighboring cultures? How is the Great Commission being played out in your life? Look, we don't all need to stand up at the Areopagus and preach to Greek philosophers, but we all are called into the Great Commission to go What does that look like for you? Pray about that this week. Every Saturday, we have an opportunity to do Street Corner. Every Saturday, we have an opportunity for you to experience a mini mission trip, right? Because you will will experience a drastic cultural difference if you go and you do that. We have opportunities, the dates that we put up for mission trips. We have opportunities for you to be obedient to God's call to get outside of your own culture and to experience this. So let's pray for that. God, we thank you. We thank you that you have told us that you will be with us to the very end of the age, Lord, that this can be so frightening to hear. And some of us right now, our palms are sweating and we know, we know that you're calling us. We know who you are calling us to, but we're scared. And Lord, we just give that to you and we say, You have told us that you are with us to the very end of the age and we will believe that by faith. We will expect to see you. Holy Spirit, lead us this morning. Speak to our hearts. Help us to step outside of ourselves, to step outside of our cultures. Help us to understand others. Help us to challenge those ideas that are set against the truth of the gospel. Help us to be challenged by our own preconceptions. Help us to be Jesus God, we give you our lives. We're so thankful for what you've done for us. And it's in his name we pray, amen.